Hello and welcome to the CA Agenda, a brand new podcast brought to you by ICAS. I'm your host, Indy Hoti, and over the next few months, I'll be speaking with some truly inspirational CAs about the challenges and opportunities currently facing the accountancy profession and the wider business world. This podcast is part of the CA Agenda Thought Leadership content series from ICAS, which focuses on the three key themes of technology, trust and talent. Go to ICAS.com and search CA Agenda to explore our thought leadership content and learn more about the agenda. On this episode of the podcast, recorded in November 2019, I'm joined by One Young CA 2019 winner, Hamisha Mehta. Hamisha qualified with EY before moving to United Biscuits as a company's group financial planning manager. Following the creation of Pladish, which brought together brands such as McVitie's, Godiva and Alka, Hamisha moved into the role of UK project lead before taking on her current position of commercial finance manager. Hamisha is also a trustee of the spinal charity Aspire and financial advisor to coaching company Know You More. Hamisha was named One Young CA 2019 in September after she impressed the judges who recognised her as an inspiring role model for other young CAs due to her career success, enthusiasm and forward-thinking approach. She has also taken an active role in helping to drive cultural change within her organisation through the Being Me initiative aimed at promoting inclusivity and diversity. Welcome Hamisha, great to have you here. Thank you indeed, it's nice to be here. So, what made you decide to become a chartered accountant and join the accountancy profession? I knew I liked variety. Um, I knew I liked maths. Um, and that was something I knew from from when I was very very young. So for me, joining the accountancy profession was somewhere where I could use my math skills and uh, understand business and get the variety that I really enjoy in terms of you know what I do with my day. So I went into auditing when I started training and um, I, I wasn't sure what to expect from, from audit. It gave me such a good foundation for understanding organisations. So um, that was a huge tick in terms of I'd come out of university, done a maths degree and like, well, I don't really understand business. So it was a great foundation. In terms of the next step of my career, I moved into consultancy, which was the bit that I really enjoyed because it was seeing what was going on in, a, in an organisation, uh, particularly finance functions, and then um, looking at ways to make it better. Um, and it was taking the core accounting skills, it was taking general finance skills, it was taking communication, working with people and bringing it all together, which which I absolutely loved. I'm very, very glad that we've got the one young CA winner of 2019 uh, on the podcast. Tell us what that experience was like going through that process. It was a real honour and a real privilege to be crowned uh, one young CA. It wasn't something I'd expected I think, well, I thought my career is fairly normal. What I do is fairly ordinary. Um, I'm not doing what I'm doing for any agenda. And I guess it was almost a bit humbling to be recognised for doing, for, for being me, 
for being the person that I am, for being a working mum who has had a career so far in finance, who manages to fulfil the extracurricular interests that I have around diversity and inclusion, around um, charitable support and bringing finance expertise to organisations that don't well can't necessarily afford to have a chartered accountant uh, working for them it was very warming I guess to to feel recognised for that and part of one young CA campaign and and being recognised you had the opportunity to attend the one young world conference which is a sort of three to four day leadership conference talking about some of the global social issues affecting our global society and bringing young leaders from all around the world and it's got some fantastic ambassadors such as Kofi Annan, um, Emma Watson, Justin Trudeau etc and you got to attend with a delegate of global accountants from chartered accountants worldwide representing ICAS. So tell me a bit about that experience. Chartered accountants worldwide I think is fantastic. Um, It was great to be part of a group that I could you know come back to so throughout the the four days we we stayed as quite a nice network um, so we'd go off to the uh, different talks or uh, to hear different speakers and come back and share our, our ideas we also had great conversation about what the other chartered accountant networks are doing um, how their trainings are, are different what we have in common there are a group of people that I will stay in touch with um, for for many many years to come and they're all very uh, inspiring themselves they've all done fantastic things with with their qualification and then how they've then used those qualifications to support their communities correct me if I'm wrong I know the conference is framed around the UN sustainable development goals as a, as a sort of rough framework to talk about some of these global issues that are facing society and you're sitting there and you're hearing from people and what they're doing and the impact they're having and you feel you feel so insignificant at times and other times you feel so inspired and motivated to act upon upon some of these initiatives as well and, and to drive the agenda forward. Um, so was there something that really resonated with you? So there, there were probably a few things that have stuck with me the most. One was around um, the sustainability agenda. So obviously in over the last few months we've heard a lot about Greta Thunberg and uh, the climate crisis and the, the climate change protesters, especially in London because we see them a lot. But the One Young World Conference really kind of brought that message to, to life, the, you know, the importance of our planet. You know, pretty much everything else doesn't really matter if we don't have a planet that is sustainable if we don't have animals if we don't have trees if we don't have oxygen you know all the other stuff doesn't really matter i had attended one young world in in 2015 and something that really resonated with me at one young world was the call to action was a call to action in the sense that we're talking about these topics we're educating you about these topics but what are you going to do are you going to find colleagues to scale up your organization are you going to pick an area that you're really passionate about and try and drive that agenda further 
So for you, what was that particular agenda that you came away with that you wanted to build upon or develop? So for me, the agenda that's that's closest to my heart is around the inclusivity agenda and making organisations and the world a more inclusive place. The challenge with One Young World is you come away with so many ideas and you want to do so many things that narrowing it down to to what that one or two, you know, that you can actually pursue and make a change in is actually quite hard. So um, for me, I know it's around that diversity uh, and inclusion piece. What exactly that is, I am still working th- through. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, in, in something that you were recognised for in terms of your work at Pladis was actually within the diversity and inclusivity area. So can you tell me a bit more about that work that you've done to date? Within Pladis, um, we've recently launched a um, an inclusion and diversity network. It's called Being Me, and it's it's about being able to bring your whole self to work uh, so it's it's been a bit of it's been a soft launch it's not been a, a big bang because we want it to to grow organically we want to create this culture that you can be yourself everyone has an opinion everyone has ideas and everyone you know even your leaders have challenges and fears so it's not that you have to fit a mold to be to progress or to be a leader but you can be yourself and it's finding how you do that what what was the reason for you deciding to sort of push and champion this agenda um a few things uh so firstly like okay people have seen pictures of me i am a little Asian lady. Um, so there's the visible side of differences. But for me, it's actually more about making that diversity conversation broader because I don't think that you can get, for example, you know, equality at board levels um, if you don't have everyone invested in the value of diverse groups of people sure um and that yes personally you know i i, I fit some of the the visible parts of uh, diversity but equally coming from a state school background you know there are a good proportion of people in the workplace who have come from a state school background as opposed to privately educated that upbringing brings different approaches to to solving problems in the workplace. So that's a diversity element that isn't, you know, exclusive to me because I, I'm of an Asian heritage. It's it applies to to everyone, right? So um, for me, it's it's recognizing the value in that that diversity as well it's a very very interesting experience that you've had and it's i guess similar for me being a an asian uh, male you know with a visible turban and beard so that's the sort of externalities but then similar 
similar upbringing, working class background. Both my parents had sort of two jobs. You know, my, a lot of my earliest memories were, you know, my father on the weekends would be doing a lot of sort of markets and, and, and car boots, and right, and I would be with him. So a lot of my earliest memories were that. And then as I sort of progressed through education, a big focus in my family on education um, and, and, and getting that job. And, and when I got to the point of university, I'm applying for internships, and I'd always look to my parents for help, and it got to the point where both my mum and dad were like, um, you know, we, we can't help you because we don't actually know anyone in this industry. We've never been in this industry. Um, and so the first time I was on an internship, uh, which is at one of the big four, um, it was the first time I, I've had ever been in an office, right, in an office environment. And that was totally alien to me. So simple things at the time of how do I start an email? Do I, you know, do I put dear in front of it, dear so-and-so, and do I finish off with kind regards or best wishes? And really silly stuff. I look back on it now and think, you know, how, how naive was I, right? Um, but actually some of those things that people, that other people take for granted that I necessarily didn't have and I had to sort of get myself up to speed very, very quickly. But I guess with, um, with your experiences, it's very similar to mine. Um, and if we were looking to understand a challenge or solve a problem, there are differences between us and we have diff- some different experiences. But if a lot of our experiences are very similar, then actually as a problem-solving team, we'd really benefit from maybe someone who has had a private education, has um, not had a working class background or has many more years experience than us um, because that's the diverse conversation you know so it, it works both ways it's very easy in this day and age to have your opinions and just be surrounded by people who share those same opinions as you you know the algorithms on Facebook and on Twitter are designed to show you more content that resonates with you rather than showing you the alternative view so putting yourself in a situation where actually I might not agree with what this person has to say but that will allow me to hear a different viewpoint and as a collective we could come to a much better solution than me talking with lots of people who think very similarly to me and during your time at Pladis, can you give me an example of sort of leadership done right with that sort of inclusivity or diversity lens? One of the examples that that sticks in my mind around leadership done well isn't an example of a conventional leader, not not a C-suite person. It's someone who I work with in the in the Being Me team and she has gone through a lot of challenges to get to where she is and is now very committed to bringing people on the being me journey to get them enthusiastic to get them motivated to to drive a change within the organization and i think this this a lady's leadership style isn't 
follow me because look at how great I am. It is you you want to be part of this. You want to be part of this movement. You you know, she's bringing people along with her. Um and she was one of the reasons that I got in, involved. Um and so now together we we kind of run the uh the being me team. You're doing some fantastic work in this area. And being very mindful that actually the work in this space is outside of your sort of, say, day job as a commercial finance manager. So how do you sort of manage manage that? Because it's always a, a, a very tough juggling act, right? Yes, it is. Um, and uh, I, I also have a, a toddler. So that just adds to the, to the lack of time. <laughs> um, but I think it comes back to what you're passionate about. Um, because yes, I enjoy my day job. Uh, like I enjoy what I do at Pladis, um, but I equally enjoy um, learning about people. And I think one of the things that will become more and more important, not just um, in our profession, but just generally in the world of business, is that that people aspect of of employment so you know you have to you're investing in people going forward as opposed to uh trans people to do something transactional tech is going to change well it's evolving uh at a crazy rate already so a lot of that transactional stuff that that jobs used to uh, require isn't going to be needed because tech will replace that so it becomes much more about why why do i why do i have a person in this role what is it what's the value of having an individual who thinks who has ideas who has opinions why do i need them in that role and and i think for me i make the time to uh be involved in being me um being involved in the learning and development agenda at, at pladis because I I firmly believe that that is that's what you have to nurture going forward. You have to nurture the people. You have to nurture the ideas. Um, I'm also involved in a uh, coaching company, and coaching is something that again is it's all about the people. It's helping people to get to the right solution for them without telling them um so misha touching on some some of the comments you made around technology what skills do you think today's finance professional needs that is different than their predecessors i think the value for the profession there will always be a solid basis of technical understanding that that is a given because to understand what the tech how the tech operates you've got to understand you know the the accounting behind it for example so that understanding i think is still fundamental and will will be there you know for many many years to come um what i think will will evolve is more around building the relationships across the businesses that we work in so finance is 
one of those roles where you can get around the whole business. You, you have a legitimate kind of way in to go and talk to sales, to talk to marketing, to talk to HR, whatever area of the business. And I think that will be become more and more um, significant within our roles um, and become more significant at the junior levels as well. Because I think previously, you know, you'd spend maybe the first couple of years of your, your career doing very maybe very transactional uh, work to learn you know how things work learn the ropes to learn the ropes, to to learn the the ropes. Right? I think that element uh, you know newly qualified or those that are training are going to learn that bit quicker with the support of the technology um, and then very quickly move on to okay so what does that mean when I'm working with the with the businesses or with different areas of the business. Um, And so I think skills like communication skills, skills around building relationships, skills around problem solving, those will, you know, we do need them uh, within the profession. Well, we have them within the profession already, but I think they're going to become more important and more critical. It's a really valid uh, point that you make there. I think when people think about the finance function, they think, well, actually, it's quite insular and it's all about sort of, you know, being counting or counting the figures. But actually, you need to engage with every single aspect of the business, right? You need to engage with them, you need to build relationships, you need to have a good working understanding. And you need to actually, at times, probably explain certain financial concepts to them or the implications to their to their business, right? And you got to be able to do that in an easy to understand manner without too much sort of jargon or or abbreviation exactly and i think that that the technical you know many people are very technically um savvy and uh, and bright but if you can't convey that to um or if you can't convey the understanding of financials to the people who are either running the business or working within the business, that technical, um, I guess, finesse, it's just, it's it's isolated to you and your finance team. So you need to be able to, to communicate that. And so I think communication skills will be really important going forward. So, Hamisha, what are your top three predicted business trends you will think become more prevalent in the next five years? So I think um, those three uh, trends will be around technology, around sustainability, and around uh, inclusivity and, uh, and diversity. The reason I say those, the first one, tech, we know tech is evolving at a crazy fast pace. Um, so things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, we hear more and more about those types of tech. Um, so I think it's inevitable that over the next few years that there's going to be significant change that is that comes about as a result of, of AI um, and I think that will mean that certain jobs, certain businesses, certain industries may not exist because 
the tech has has replaced those. However, that tech will drive new businesses and new uh, new industries. Um, so I think that is is one of the one of the big trends. Another area you mentioned was sustainability. So sustainability is. I say it's a hot topic. It's a very relevant topic. The public, and especially kind of that next generation who, you know, have the rest of their lives ahead of them and are really thinking, well, in 10 years' time, what if the planet is over 1.5 degrees hotter than, than it is now? What does that mean for my future? Will I have a future? Um so especially for for that generation looking at working with or working for uh companies that recognize the sustainability issue and how and what they're doing to to support that climate change issue and you know mitigate the the irreversible damage that could be done to our to our planet so i think there is much more I guess public pressure on uh, organisations to to really think about that, and you know, not just make profit, but make profit sustainably in an ethical. You know, yes, there's minimum ethical standards, but in such an ethical way that is good for the environment, as opposed to, well, yes, we could make lots of money if we cut this cost by using lots of plastic for example and the final sort of trend you talked about was really focusing on inclusivity and diversity so what are your thoughts around how that will grow and increase in importance um so i think it it links back to the increase in technology uh and how technology is developed because technology is going to take over a significant proportion of roles and actually the what you get from uh, people and diverse groups of people is better problem solving better ideas better innovation um, so I think increasingly businesses will look or should be looking at that pipeline so you know their talent pipeline in 10 years time are we going to have the best diverse uh, inclusive people leading our organization so that we're always at the forefront that we're not kind of siloed in our thinking because we're all a bit homogenous um, so I think that will make a big difference in in how companies recruit uh, and how companies develop their talent pipeline and uh, ultimately kind of how successful they are because if you've got people who are very homogenous in how they think then um, that innovation that drives growth of companies won't be as strong so it's been an absolutely fascinating and very enjoyable discussion, Hamisha. Thank you for the time. If any of the listeners want to, want to get in touch with you, how can they do so? So I'm quite active on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, that's the best place to contact me. Um, I do also have a Twitter. 
I'm not quite the uh, Generation Z, so I'm not as active there, but LinkedIn is definitely the way forward. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your time, Amisha. Thank you very much indeed. That's all for this episode of the CEA Agenda. Join me next time and I'll be speaking to ICAS CEO Bruce Cartwright.